Blog Talk Radio. For Complex News, I'm Jinx with a breaking news report. The New York Police Department cop who killed Staten Island resident Eric Garner will not be indicted at grand jury rule today. The cop, Daniel Pantaleo, was reported on July 17th arresting Garner for selling illegal cigarettes on the street. Garner, father of six, who was 43 at the time of his death, was put into an illegal chokehold and held on the ground by multiple NYPD officers. Garner went into cardiac arrest and died at the site of the confrontation. His death was ruled a homicide by the medical examiner's office. Garner's death became the subject of national attention after video was published by the New York Daily News showing the entire incident happening. According to multiple news outlets, potential charges against Pantaleo included criminally negligent homicide, manslaughter, or reckless endangerment. This is not the first time Pantaleo has found himself in trouble, as it's been reported that the cop, who was pulled off the street in the wake of Garner's death, had been the subject of two police-related lawsuits prior to this. Like so many other cities around the nation, New York recently found itself a hotspot of protest activity after a grand jury ruled in Missouri not to indict Darren Wilson, 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 killed unarmed 18-year-old Michael Brown, Michael Brown in a confrontation. This grand ruling will no doubt lead to a new round of protests which NYPD Commissioner Bill Braden told reporters he was prepared for, explaining, We have had quite a bit of time to prepare for the events that will unfold here over the next several days. This is a department that is very well experienced in dealing with demonstrations of all sizes. We here at Complex will continue to cover this story as it develops. There are major developments tonight in the case of a neighborhood watch captain in Florida who shot and killed an unarmed 17-year-old. The U.S. Justice Department has now opened a civil rights investigation, and the local prosecutor has convened a grand jury to consider criminal charges. Justice correspondent Bob Orr has the latest. In the three weeks since Trayvon Martin was killed inside this gated Florida community, Neighborhood Watch volunteer George Zimmerman has maintained he shot Martin in self-defense. But attorney Benjamin Crump, who represents Martin's family, says the unarmed teenager was targeted because of his race. Arrest George Zimmerman for the killing of Trayvon Martin in cold blood today. Crump said on the night of the shooting, Martin was heading home from the store and on the phone with his girlfriend. In a telephone interview, the young woman told Crump she listened as Martin was suddenly confronted by a stranger. The girlfriend said she urged Martin to run away, and he responded he would walk fast. At around the same time, Zimmerman also made a call to the Sanford, Florida police to report a suspicious person in his neighborhood. He's got his hand in his waistband. And he's a black male. Are you following him? Yeah. Okay, we don't need you to do that. What happened next is the critical question. A law enforcement source says Zimmerman told police he began retreating to his car and only fired his weapon after Martin jumped him from behind. Zimmerman has a license to carry a gun, and Florida law allows people to use lethal force in self-defense. But Crump insists Zimmerman was the aggressor. And records show Zimmerman has been a frequent caller to police with 46 calls in the last year, often reporting African-Americans. Now Tom Perez, who heads the Justice Department Civil Rights Division, says the government will determine if a hate crime may have occurred. Good morning, Chairman Durbin and honored members of the subcommittee. My name is Lucia Holman-McBath, 
and I thank you for the opportunity to speak before this great institution today. I was raised in a family steeped in justice and confident in the triumphant goodness of humanity. My mother was a registered nurse, and my father, who served in the U.S. Army Dental Corps, was over 20 years president of the NAACP for the state of Illinois. He actively with President Lyndon Baines Johnson in the signing of the Civil Rights Act of 1964. If he could see me here today, signed in front of the United States Senate, beaming with pride and amazed at how far his daughter had come, had come. I came to understand what brought me here. I appear before you because my son Jordan was shot and killed last November while sitting in the back seat of her friend's car listening to loud music. Who killed him opened fire on four unarmed teenagers. They tried to move out of, out of harm's way. That man was empowered powered by the ground ground section. I tell you, tell you, there was no ground stand. No threat. No threat. No one was trying to invade his home. His home. His vehicle. No him or his family. During which the accused, Michael Dunn, did not feel that he was treated with respect. You're not going to talk to me like that, he shouted as he sprayed the car that Jordan sat in with bullets, killing him instantly. When Jordan's friends tried to back the car away, Mr. Dunn aimed his handgun and fired off several more rounds. Nine total pierced the car. There are any number of ways that this interaction might have gone. But there was only one way it could have ended once the gun entered the equation. Although we are celebrating in some manner that the police officers are going to be charged, that's just one step to getting justice because we know full well that charge does not does not seem complete. And so a lot of people have to just take a step back and realize that although they might be charged, they have not been convicted of anything. Um, and in our case with Trayvon Martin, the person was charged. Yes, they were charged and we had a full trial. But he, at the end of the day, he was not convicted. And so he was walking around, around like anybody else as if he had done nothing. We all know that God sits high and looks low, and though you might be, you might get away with man's law, God sees all. Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to AJC Radio as we tonight remember the victims of the lives that mattered in the deaths of these women who are speaking tonight in the preview of this show, who's all of them, mothers who have lost their siblings, their sons. Tonight, AJC Radio takes a trip to honor the victims. And we say today that lives matter 
Black Lives Matter. And I'll tell you right now, these ladies will be joining us tonight on this program. Uh, Reverend Wanda Johnson, uh, also Lucia Davis McBeth, uh, also Sabrina Fulton, and also in closing, Gwen Clark Gardner. We will be talking to them and hearing their story as we remember the victims who have died senselessly in America. Hang on to your seats, folks. AJC Radio is getting ready to take off. There you have it. I'm Lamont Banks along with Charlisa Stewart, Cliff Stewart, and Jeanette Williams. And folks, tonight, if you came to hear something uh, interesting, informative, we're going to have it tonight as we honor these brave ladies who come forward to speak about the injustice of America that resulted in the death and the loss of their loved ones. And uh, tonight, it's going to be a humdinger. And uh, uh, welcome tonight, uh, America. We thank you for taking some time with us tonight. Uh, for this special program as we talk to these fascinating ladies. And Lisa, Cliff, Jeanette, this goes probably goes above the bar as we remember a painful situation in America. And it doesn't come any closer to home than when you, until you start talking to the mothers of the slain. Lisa, your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think uh, this is going to be a very interesting show because you're looking at, looking back and dealing with some of the issues that were out there, issues that are still out there. That, and seeing where uh, these ladies feel like our, our 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 country should be, what kind of position should our law enforcement be, and what kind of changes have been made that they've seen, what kind of changes they think need to be made. So I think it's going to be very interesting to get their take on that, considering that they were the ones who lost so much. Absolutely, and when you listen to uh, Lucia talk about uh, that, she actually went before Congress to tell the story of the tragedy and the tragedies, the countless ones, and it takes you, makes you think about the, the stories that were not reported, the oh, yeah. stories that are not on the headlines, but the broken hearts of mothers across this country. As we take a look and a reflection, we look back at the tragedy that shook a nation. And, Cliff, as we uh, dig into this and, and, be, and have an opportunity at least to revisit this, uh, one of the young ladies said to me yesterday, I had an opportunity to talk to them, and she stated to me, this story must be told. And uh, you better tell it because otherwise we fall asleep at the wheel in America and forget exactly the horrific uh, tragedies that have touched the nation. Yeah, and you know that all, all these mothers have to be feeling um, you know, intense pain about the loss of their, their, uh, their sons, but they have taking on the greater role to say, you know, we have to get the story out. We have to let America know that we cannot continue to allow this type of activity to happen, this type of behavior from our law enforcement, uh, from those who feel like, you know, they want to be law enforcement, that their neighborhood watching can get away with murder. So we commend them for uh, taking a stand and bringing light and passing on the information about what happened to them because, you know, they're, obviously this pain is still uh, fresh to them. These are their sons. Uh, I mean, they were, uh, you know, snuffed out in the prime of their life. And for them as mothers to stand tall, to be able to uh, stand before Congress, to be able to tell their story, uh, you know, on television so many times that we've seen them, and to come here on AJC Radio and share their story with us, we commend these mothers because um, it takes a lot. It takes a whole lot to stand up in, uh, when, when, your, when your child has been, has been gunned down for no particular reason. And, Je- and Jeanette Williams, also a mother... Uh, of a teenager 
uh, and a little one. And, Jeanette, as you listen to that, I would wonder that probably the heart of every mother uh, is breaking tonight as we hear and visit the loss of a child. Jeanette, your thoughts on that? Absolutely. Like you said, I have self I'm telling you, this this is a very, very painful thing to remember, but at the same time, it's a subject that needs to be addressed. Um, you know, it, I, I just, I can't even imagine, like I said, having a son 18 and, and just going through that. It, it's just time out for the media and for these people to, you know, stop trying to prosecute the victims. I mean, these were the victims, and it just it's just sickening. No, absolutely. And the folks of America, ladies and gentlemen of America, we encourage you to call in tonight and get in the conversation. We have been we have had the privilege of having all of these ladies on at the same time. And we'll have a panel of I call them heroes who are standing up and fighting for justice, even for the departed. And uh, if you want to call in to be a part of the, the uh, program tonight, you want to comment, you want to ask these ladies questions. Uh, that's going to be coming in on the other side of the break. That number is three, four, seven, eight, three, eight, eight, nine, seven, six. That is 347-838-8976. And uh, folks, as, as we get ready, and summer surely is at the door of ending, as we approach fall here in a day or, a day or two, uh, the current of America is on the direction for change. And at AJC Radio, we intend to bring the message of justice all around the world. Before we get started, Lisa, give us the disclaimer, please. just want to remind everyone that we are not attorneys and that a just cause does not provide any legal advice. You want to contact your own personal legal advisor for all of your legal needs. Also, the opinions expressed by callers and guests do not necessarily reflect that of a just cause. And as always, thank you so much for choosing to tune in and spend a little time with us this evening. And thank you for that, Lisa. And uh, we're going to get into some current events, things going on in America. Uh, Right now, we do know that the Pope uh, is in Washington, D.C. And my understanding, Lisa and Cliff, we had an opportunity to be on, our, on the steps of the nation's capital and down the hollow halls of Congress. And, uh, Lisa, it's been, uh, it's, it was, it's been interesting. Uh, there is a cry in the land that change take place. And, uh, Lisa, we're seeing an open door, if you will, with, a, with the nation's, uh, with Congress right now as folks are looking for direction and answers. A uh, very successful trip. Your thoughts, Lisa, if you want to share that with our listeners, what happened there? Yeah, I think we uh I think the progress that's being made is phenomenal. The 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 fact that you have we have so many people listening and wanting to wanting to hear about what's going on, wanting to do what they can to make a difference, to make changes. That is so much it's I mean it's a it's a long way that we've come to get to the point where we've got that going on. And I think it I mean it took time, took a lot of travel, took a lot of hotels, took a lot of uh eating out. But uh, it just we went out there and we do what we needed to do and it's it's paying off. It's that it's finally starting to pay off and you're seeing a difference. You're seeing people and members of Congress and senators and the people up there wanting to really get involved and do what uh, do whatever they can to try to help and make a difference. They're they're more involved now than they've ever been. Oh, without question. And uh, we we our hats are off to the members of Congress uh, as we again at JJC Radio and a Just Cause are in search for justice and we're going to bring that message of justice all around the world and uh any other lisa any topics or or things in the news that's on your mind that we want to share with our listeners that's going on um in the country right now well lamont the one thing i was looking at today in the news they were talking about um they were worried about people terrorists impersonating cops before the pope's visit oh wow trying to get in there so they can uh do get some more tax going in in u.s soil and that is that's uh it's 
a little bit of a scary thought that you got people out there that you gotta they've gotta be they've gotta keep they've gotta really keep their uh, be on their toes and keep be on their p's and q's to make sure that that they're taking care of this nation. We've got all this we've got all these people out there. There are a lot of people out there that want to do harm to our country, and we've got to make sure that our people, that our police officers, our firefighters, everybody is is doing what they need to do. They were saying that uh, they were worried that terrorists may impersonate police officers, firefighters, and EMTs to launch attacks inside the U.S. Well, I'll tell you right now, folks, if you think that that's a, uh, I I said it last week, if you think that's a Hollywood production or something on Lifetime Movie Network, we got news for you, folks. This isn't a production. This is real life. And uh, this show is dedicated. We talk about Lisa, Cliff, and Jeanette keeping America safe. Uh, we have the answer, and we have that solution. Uh, we sent a plea out to President Obama, the administration, the members of Congress, and the Department of Justice as we look for clemency for six men who hold the key to keeping the homeland safe, and that's the IRP-6. This show is dedicated to them and every show to the IRP-6. Without their injustice that happened to them, AJC Radio and the Just Cause would not be here. We fight for their release. The IRP-6 are David Banks, Gary Walker, Kendrick Barnes, Demetrius Harper, Dave Zerpolo, and Clinton Stewart. And I'll tell you right now, folks, we can talk the talk, but it's coming time in America. We're going to have to walk the walk. And uh, uh, these men, and, and Cliff, you're well aware uh, that there is a software product created by these men, driven by a vision and a passion to keep America's children and our future generations safe. Your thoughts on that, Cliff? Sorry about that. I was on mute. <laughs> but that's absolutely right. I mean, uh, uh, we see, you know, we look back on another anniversary of 9-11, and uh, we are reminded about the reasons that the 9-11 attacks were allowed to happen. It all boils down to these federal law enforcement agencies were not sharing data. And the software built by the IRP-6 and their company, IRP Solutions, uh, it was built for DHS. It was built according to DHS requirements according to the customizations that were requested by DHS so it was custom built for them and it needs to be in place it would help to ensure that we don't have any more attacks on our homeland oh without question uh, and the body bags have filled up in America and I'll tell you right now uh, we are at a level of high concern in this country and uh, you can go to free the org to learn more about the RP6 their vision their passion for America. And uh, the la- another top story happening, uh, and be- go- be- I don't believe this, it says a Florida man accused of shooting at George Zimmerman, uh, ironically, in May, will stand trial for attempted second-degree murder, a judge ruled on Tuesday. Uh, so someone apparently has attempted to render justice uh, to Mr. Zimmerman for him taking a life. Uh, it says here that Judge Deborah S. Nelson ruled there was probable cause that Matthew uh, it looks like Apperson should be tried on three charges in addition to the attempted murder charge. He also faces one count of aggravated assault with a firearm and one count of shooting into an occupied vehicle. Uh, Cliff, wow. uh, you know, we, we don't promote uh, seeking justice and taking the law in our own hands, but it gives you a little bit of the temperature of this country with their outrage about injustice. You're that's, on that. that's right. I mean, you know, the old adage says what goes around comes around. And, uh, you know, George Zimmerman, in my opinion, and a lot of people that I know, most Americans feel like, you know, George Zimmerman should have been found guilty of murder. You don't shoot somebody uh, who's unarmed that you stalked 
and then get away with murder. So for somebody to go after him, you know, um, maybe he will find justice well, eventually. I'll tell you what, he's one of many people that are outraged in America. And, again, we don't condone it here on AJC Radio to take justice into your own hands. Uh, but you can you can understand the outrage. Uh, and with, ironically, tonight's show dealing with the, the mother uh, of, uh, of Trayvon Martin, hearing her story tonight, ironically that this happens today uh, in America, that somebody tried to take his life. We're going to get into that further about Mr. Zimmerman and the actual, actual premeditation that took place. Ladies and gentlemen, this is AJC Radio. You have dialed into AJC Radio, where we bring the message of justice all around the world. And coming up, the victims, remembering the victims whose lives matter. We're going to talk to the mothers of the slain that has hit the headlines all across the land. Folks, hang on to your seats as we come to, we come to another show to bring justice in America. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Ladies and gentlemen, on behalf of AJC Radio and a campaign that we have started that is underway entitled Spotlight on Capitol Hill. This program is new to AJC Radio, but it is an exciting time when we take a few moments every Thursday evening to highlight members of Congress, their initiatives that are not only important to them, their constituents, and the nation as a whole. We invite you every Thursday to tune in to AJC Radio to hear your congressman or your senator and their initiatives that are here to shape a nation and to bring about change. We invite you cordially, and as we fight for justice, as we seek justice daily, we'll come together as not only the American people. Join us every Thursday for Spotlight on Capitol Hill. God bless you, and as always... God bless America. Can you imagine 20 years of your life in prison or didn't commit? Neither could I until I got the opportunity to portray Betty Ann Waters in the film Conviction, telling the real story of how she freed her brother Kenny. Sadly, what happened to Kenny happens far more often than you might expect. Together, we can stop it. Please join me in helping the Innocence Project fight injustice. Go to innocenceproject.org to make a donation and get involved. Here are 50 white guys. Here are 50 black guys. Here's how many white guys can expect to go to prison in their lifetime. The chances amount to 1 out of 17. Now, here's how many black guys can expect the same thing. The chances are 1 out of 3. Why? Lots of reasons. It's complicated, but one thing is clear. There's a racial bias at every level of the criminal justice system. When blacks and whites commit the same kind of crimes, blacks are more likely to be arrested. Once arrested, they're more likely to be convicted. Once convicted, they're more likely to serve longer sentences. Look at the numbers in America's so-called war on drugs. About 14% of America's drug users are black, as are about a quarter of drug sellers. Yet blacks are 34% of people arrested for drug crimes. And those convicted of drug crimes? 
46% are black. By the time we factor in sentencing, there are actually more black drug offenders than white ones in state prisons and federal prisons. In the end, the incarceration rate for drug crimes is 10 times higher for blacks than it is for whites. These are the facts. Racial disparities in America's war on drugs are one big reason that one of three black men can expect to go to prison in their lifetime. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to AJC Radio, where we bring the message of justice all around the world. And tonight we remember the victims whose lives matter. And we will have the opportunity uh, tonight to talk to the mothers of slain children, their children, who were killed senselessly in this country. And that is Lucia Davis Macbeth. We'll also be talking to Eric Gardner's mother, Gwen Carr Gardner. We will also be talking to uh, Javon Martin's mother, Sabrina Fulton, and also we'll be speaking with uh, Reverend Wanda Johnson, whose son was shot down, Oscar Grant III, killed by a single shot to the back from an officer senselessly in an Oakland uh, train station right here in the United States of America. And uh, we get into that tonight as we remember the victims of Cliff, Lisa, Jeanette. Uh, over the last several months, we have, we have seen a lot of that shut the country within the last year. Uh, and you know what? It is still going on today. And we're going to have an opportunity tonight on this program to reflect on where are we today as a nation, given the tragedies and the number of lives that have been lost, are we any closer to solving the problem here in the United States? Lisa? You know, I'm not really seeing that. I, I mean... Maybe I could have a skewed view, but I don't think things have gotten better. I think things are finally starting to be seen for what they are to a point. But to actually make progress and to have things change, I think we still got a little bit of a road ahead of us before we see that. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more, Lisa, because I think that just because more light is being brought to it doesn't mean that anything has changed. I mean, this has been going on for years, exactly. for centuries. I don't think anything just stopped and changed because the light is being shed on it. Yeah, people just weren't seeing it as much. It wasn't as visible. It wasn't, you didn't have all the cell phones and the videos going on and people uh, having, having eyewitnesses to all this stuff. You didn't have all this before. Now you've got eyewitnesses at the camera or a phone that can't be disputed. Well, even though they still try to dispute some of that anyway. Oh, yeah. But it really can't be disputed. So it's actually being seen. It's being noticed. But it's nothing new. So I don't think it's because it's being, all of a sudden they're seeing it, they suddenly made a drastic change. Right. I think for some people it's bringing awareness, but I think it's something that, I'm just going to say it, the black race as a whole has always had to deal with and always has known it's there. I do think that the awareness is important, but at the same time, like I said, I don't think it's just something new or something that's just drastically changed. Uh, Cliff, you're the, I'm sorry, Cliff. No, I just want to say that, you know, when you look at the uh, you look at the bottom line, you look at the numbers on what's going on in America uh, as far as, you know, law enforcement killing people. The telltale sign is that they still don't want to release reports that show how many 
people get killed by law enforcement per year. They don't want to release the demographics of those numbers. They don't want to say law enforcement killed this many black males, this many Hispanic males, this many uh, black females. They don't want to get into it. So now, uh, you know, technology has forced them to say, okay, we have to we have to deal with this. But then you look at the other part of it as, as yeah, technology is exposing that, uh, you know, police brutality, uh, law enforcement killings. But then when you see the percentage of indictments that come down, then you see the uh, the the percentage of these these law enforcement officers that get convicted. I mean, when charges get brought and you hear, you know, that they they're oh, they're going to a grand jury. And the old saying is that, uh, you know, you can indict a ham sandwich. Any prosecutor can indict anybody in a grand jury. It's like a 99 percent success rate. But suddenly you have a D.A. who can't get an indictment. When it comes down to one of his cops is the one that uh, that he's trying to that he's pressing the charges against. Suddenly you get an indictment when I mean, you can't get an indictment when, uh, you know, a cop guns down a young black man in the street, like in the. Um, oh, um, what's the the kid's name in uh, in St. Louis? Uh, Ferguson. Yeah. Michael, Michael Brown. Brown. Yeah. Michael Brown. I'm sorry. I was, I was reading uh, Eric Gardner's name. So, but when it comes to things like that, you can't get, how does the prosecutor not get an indictment when you have all of the evidence, all the witnesses, and he's going after an indictment? But it shows that even in 2015, there's still a bias. There's still, uh, you know, basically a racial bias about who the prosecutors want to prosecute. Now, anytime, you know, if, if, if I, as a black man, get charged with something, the likelihood of me being, uh, you know, indicted, being found guilty is very high. Then you get a cop who kills a kid unarmed, running in the opposite direction, and no indict. You can't even get an indictment. Well, not, not found innocent by a jury, but you cannot even get an indictment. That is what I think is so sickening about what's going on in America today. No, no, without question. And I'll tell you right now, ladies and gentlemen of America, uh, these are real stories. And when you think about Trayvon Martin... Just one, and make no mistake about it, ladies and gentlemen, that uh, we understand there are more victims. Uh, we probably don't have enough radio shows in a lifetime to highlight and honor all the victims that have died, that have been slain as a result of uh, inappropriate, reckless behavior by law enforcement. Uh, and these are things that are real. Uh, so tonight, without question, we salute all mothers, fathers, sisters, brothers, who have lost loved ones at the hand of law enforcement, of overzealous people in the community, neighborhood watch folks. And the first time I've ever heard of that was with Mr. Zimmerman. And I use the Mr. very lightly, make no mistake about it. You took a life. And uh, to the fact that, uh, and I was having a conversation uh, today, that uh, had he listened, as you heard on the beginning of the show, uh, as you listened to... Uh, the fact that the 911 call, they made the statement very clear. Do not follow him. Do right. not do that. That one statement had that been adhered to. Trayvon Martin is alive today. That's right. That's right. And uh, that that's very, very serious business. Um, yes. Yeah, we have a caller. We have uh, She Wolf from Florida has a comment on uh, about getting indicted. Sorry about that. Uh, a little bit tongue tied, and you are live. Go ahead with your comment. Hello, I didn't mean to butt into your conversation. 
Oh, no, go ahead. I just we wanted to your comment. Okay. I just wanted to tell you um, the reason why you can't get an indictment is because a corporation cannot indict another corporation when they pertain to the same district. Like, you're asking, you're asking the district's attorney to indict an officer of the law who is also employed by the same district, mm-hmm. meaning that if you have, like, the city of, let me give you an example, like a city of Homestead, we had a kid that was shot seven times by an officer and killed, and he had a gun on him, but it was unloaded. He just had it in his pants pocket, never pulled it out. And um, he didn't, that officer did not get punished at all. But I do know the reason why they don't get punished is because you're asking a corporation to indict another corporation, and they're just not going to do it. Absolutely. I mean, that absolutely, uh, you know, makes sense. And we thank you for that that comment. When you look at, even in the federal government, even in the federal government, you look at, okay, is a is a judge going to basically preside over a prosecutor, you know, being on trial? You're not going to get well. that, that uh, you know, you're not going to get a conviction. It It's laid out just like the prosecutor, federal prosecutors and judges have absolute immunity so that they don't even have to go to trial. Because if they do, then uh, just as the caller was saying – it's going to be proven that they are not going to go against um, each other. I'll tell you right now, and I appreciate the caller, but that is absolutely complete nonsense. It is. If it's you sickening. if you say in this country that no one, and that's what you hear the officers, the commanders come out and say, no one's above the law in America. This is a land of laws. Well, the simple fact that I won't indict my fellow worker because we work for the same government or we work for the same DAs or whatever you want to call it is a tragedy in this country it is a sickness in this country and that culture has to change the federal government has to get involved and say you know what that may have been once it's not going to happen again and until we get tired of that we will stay in the same state uh, that we are in right now and that doesn't work that's right and and the thing is, I mean, you look at time and time again how, uh, you know, you have these police officers come out. And without, without you know, cell phones with cameras on them, without people recording these things that happen by law enforcement, they always come out with the same story. Why do they have the same story that I felt my life was threatened? That's the reason that I use lethal force. And we don't take shots to the leg, to the arm. You know, we take body shots. We aim at the biggest part of your body. And so we're going to hit you in the torso and we're aiming, you know, basically three shots to your heart. That's what they're trying to do. But the thing is, they know that their commanding officers, per se, are going to to basically hold to that same, you know, that blue blood theme that, hey, you're an officer. All you got to do, use this phrase. I felt my life was threatened. I felt like I was, you know, that I had no other alternative than to use deadly force. And you see time and time again, these law enforcement, uh, these police officers, they get off with making uh, statements like that. It's that easy. They get off just by saying, I felt my life was in danger. When you, you have a police officer on camera with a man fleeing in the opposite direction and the police officer without even giving chase, without even saying, you know, halt or anything, he's not in danger at that point, and he shoots a man in the back four, five, nine times. 
and you say you felt your life was in danger, then what is your excuse for that? And how does a commanding officer come out and say, I stand with my officer? The well, action that he took is the same action I would expect anybody on my police force to take. That is sickening. And just like you say, Lamont, it needs to be changed. People need to get out, talk to their local legislatures, and all the way up to the federal government to say, hey, we need reform. We need new laws that are put in place that hold these people accountable. That's the only way it's going to change. That's the only way they're going to get off of it is if you hold them accountable. Say, if you shoot a man and you do it wrongfully, you're held accountable just as any other member well, of the if, if, if that is different, there is no justice. That's right. If that is different, because I'm a cop, I'm a prosecutor, there is no justice. And right now, as we get into conversation tonight, uh, we're going to bring on, they're trying to get all the mothers together, but we do have a very special lady uh, on the phone who's going to join us to the show on the show right now, and that is Gwen Carr Gardner, the mother of the slain Eric Gardner. And uh, Gwen, if I can call you that, how are you this evening? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. I just take it one day at a time. Well, I want to say to you, uh, Gwen, and can I call you Gwen? Oh, yes, definitely. Okay, and uh, I'll tell you right now, we are honored tonight on this program uh, to talk to you that your story, that your voice and the voice of your son uh, may be heard forever uh, as we fight the injustice that took place in his life. And uh, we're going to give you the opportunity. Uh, and also, we just now, uh, also, uh, Ms. Ms. Gwen, we're going to be being joined right now with, by Lucia Davis McBath. And Lucia, how are you tonight? Lucia? Hello? Yes, how are you, Miss Macbeth? I'm doing fine, thank you. Thank you so much for being a part. We're trying to get all you uh, wonderful ladies uh, uh, on the line as a panel uh, on the on this program, so uh, we'll bring those folks in as they get them. We're trying to get them all on right now. Um, is it Lucia or Lucia? It's Lucia, but friends and family always call me Lucy. Okay, well, I consider you a friend. Can I call you Lucy? Yeah, please call me Lucy. Please do. <laughs> okay, Lucy, we appreciate that. And uh, Miss Gardner Gwen is also on the line with us. She's the mother of Eric Gardner. I'm sure you're familiar with that story. And both of you ladies are on. So we're going to have uh, four ladies on the panel tonight, and I'm sure you guys will get along just fine, and we will get the word out about what's happened. And we thank you guys for um, joining us. Go ahead. Yeah, we, we've all met. I know Lucy. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yes, we've all met. We were all together in Washington this last week. Oh, okay. And let's let's talk a little bit. Uh, and I'm going to go um, to you, Gwen, first, as we we talked about the situation with with your son, and all of America has seen what happened to him. Um, your thoughts as we get ready to get into this, um, and all you ladies share a common thread: the loss of a child. And uh, that's so true. Mm -hmm. And I can't imagine. I can't imagine. Um, you folks have gone through, and I, I mean, I want you to get an opportunity to talk to our listeners, uh, uh, Gwen, as an introduction of who you are, what you're about, and what you do now to fight for justice for your son. Oh, yes. Well, my name is Gwen Carr, and I am the mother of Eric Garner, and I've been pushing for justice. I've been trying to fight the fight. Although there's blocks and obstacles in my way, but I'm going to keep pushing forward. 
because um, I'm in this for the long run. My son's death, it took a lot out of me. It, it's a great void in my life. So for now, he no longer has a voice, but his mother does. And she's going to fight the fight. She's going to walk the walk and talk the talk for as long as she has breath in her body. Well, that's... um. And Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say that, you know, because this injustice, this system is so unjust. And um, like I just heard um, you and the other gentlemen saying just a while ago, you know, they're saying that it's, the law is for everyone, but that's not true. Right. It, it really isn't. And uh, uh, I commend you, Gwen, um, says here that, you, that you, uh, your work with some of those mothers uh is embodied by the Justice Committee, an organization which has just returned from Albany, where they petitioned Governor Cuomo. Cuomo, I don't, I'm hopefully I'm pronouncing that right. For an executive order well, to provide Cuomo. Cuomo, is it Cuomo? Okay, uh, mm-hmm. an executive to provide their ongoing battle with a special prosecutor. Um, as as we again, and, and when you say to to the death, with every ounce of your your being, you have yeah. a voice for, for Eric and. Nothing could be more uh, respected than that. And I think when people come together, as you ladies have, and I've just been notified that uh, Reverend Wanda Johnson is now uh, also joining us. And, and let me pause for a moment, Gwen, and welcome, Wanda. How are yes. you doing today? Wanda, are you there? Okay, we'll try to get her here momentarily. Yes, I am here. Hi, how hello, are you? Hello, Wanda. How are you doing? I'm fine. Thank you so much for inviting me to the show. No, you're very welcome. And we, we are honored to have all of you special ladies. Uh, I, I, I don't know if you heard, we do have Miss uh, Gwen Carr Garner, Eric Garner's mother, uh, here on the, on the, on the uh, line with us. We have uh, Lucy Davis McBath. She's also on the line with us. And you have joined us. And we are privileged. We are still trying to get uh, Trayvon, Ma- Trayvon Martin's mother, uh, Sabrina Fulton. We're still waiting on her. So we're getting into conversation. And uh, now, and and uh, we're going to give uh, Lucy, uh, you an opportunity also to share your thoughts, your passion, and your fight for justice for the for the loss of your son. Talk to our listeners, please. Um, well, of course, you know, a lot of um, what we're dealing with is the way that the laws, the gun laws are interpreted, uh, and specifically in Trayvon's case and as well as ours you know we're dealing with the stand your ground laws uh and so um and having received justice you know we're we're very grateful and very thankful for that but we never should have had to fight so hard to get that justice that's the injustice of receiving the justice we had to fight so hard to prove that, you know, our our kids were good kids and that they weren't doing anything wrong. But under the gun laws in this country, which are really very ambiguous and they leave loose interpretation to the person that's actually using their guns, we're going to continue to see these kinds of cases and trials all over the country until we change the laws. So that is where I spend a lot of my time and effort uh, working with the gun laws, uh, I do a lot of testifying around the country. Whenever, particularly 
uh, background check legislation comes up or stand your ground legislation comes up, um, I, I fly to those states and I actually sit before those legislators and I will testify because I want them to see the face of the victim. Uh, because we're not numbers, we're not statistics, we're human beings. Our children are dying in the streets. Our loved ones are dying in the streets over these ambiguous laws that allow people to do what they're doing. And specifically people that have implicit biases about, you know, someone that doesn't look, think, or act like them, they're getting away with murder under these laws. So that is where I spend a lot of my time and emphasis uh, around the country. Oh, and that's, uh, wow, Lucy, wow. Uh, what do you say to that? I mean, uh, understand that uh, uh, your son was 17 years old. Is that correct? Yes. And, and what is so tragic about that is, you know, somebody wanting to not mind their own business. You know, I pull up all the time in a parking lot. I may hear some country western music playing. I may hear some hip hop playing or some R and B playing. That's not my business. I don't care. Exactly. Not, you understand what I'm saying? The senselessness of these tragedies is out, is over the top for me. And I I was looking at your profile here, Lucy. Uh, says you were invited to the White House for unveiling of President Obama's My Brother's Keeper educational initiatives. Uh, that in in your son's honor, you also started the Walk with Jordan Scholarship Foundation uh, that provides charitable and educational assistance to graduating high school students taking in uh, uh, a path. And it says that you you have reached out and made guest appearances uh, at many colleges, including the Harvard Kennedy School and Morehouse College. You've made several appearances on national television, including CNN, MSNBC, Headline News, TV One, shows hosted by Lawrence O'Donnell, Melissa Harris-Perry, uh, Soledad O'Brien, and Anderson Cooper. Uh, I tell you, you are getting the word out, and we salute you, Lucy, so much for that. And uh, I'm gonna, we're going to get back to all of that, and I'd like to give Wanda an opportunity uh, to share. And, and tell us, Wanda, what is the passion? Of course, again, I, I said earlier that the, you three ladies share a common thread, and that's the loss of a child. And when you bring those threads together, you can be a force to make a difference in America. And it sounds like you folks are doing that. And uh, Wanda, give us a little bit of what is driving you for justice as you fight for justice, uh, even after the, the horrible loss of Oscar uh, being killed. Talk to the people about what drives you to seek justice. The Oscar's loss was senseless. He should have never been killed. Um, and it drives me to share what has happened with Oscar throughout this country to others, um, to keep speaking to others about what has happened, about the injustice that we as a people face so very often. Oscar was senselessly killed, and so because of that, I will continue to share his story. And one of the ways that we have shared his story um, was by having the movie Fruitvale Station made, um, and uh, it was not only seen in the United States, but also overseas in other countries, um, to let people know that the injustices that um, African-American young men face, um, and they need to not face um, those injustices, and that we as a people have to work on improving our judicial system along with the way the police police um, our people, and not just our people, but um, other nationalities of 
Well, and Wanda, I salute you as well. We do on this show tonight. You know, it is one of those things that are, it's just tragic. And I can't tell you my heart as I did the research and looking into the losses here. I'm so very sorry uh, what has happened. But you have a support here that just calls uh, that we fight for justice every day. And uh, we salute you so much. And we're going to get a little deeper into your stories uh, here momentarily. It looks like that Trayvon Martin's mother, um, Sabrina Fulton, has joined us. And Sabrina, welcome to AJC Radio. How are you this evening? Sabrina, are you there? I'm, I'm here. Can you hear me? I can hear you now. Thank you so very much. We are honored to have you on our program tonight. We have uh, been already overtaken with emotion thus far. Uh, joining you, uh, you tonight on this on this call and this panel, you guys are now a panel now. Uh, we have Gwen Carr Gardner, Eric Gardner's mother. Uh, we have Lucy McBath, uh, the mother of Jordan Russell Davis, and we have Wanda Reverend Rob, Reverend Wanda Johnson. Uh, she also lost her son, Oscar Grant the third, and now you joining us, which, of course, the loss of Trayvon Martin, that uh, that whole proceedings, and I'm going to give you an opportunity, uh, that case shook a nation, and uh, my condolences, deep condolences, uh, uh, Ms. Fulton, for what has happened, and uh, I'll give you an opportunity. We know what, what, what drives you to fight for justice, and I would have to believe that Trayvon is a very clear view of fighting for that justice. Tell our listeners what is driving you to continue to fight for justice for your son in spite of the fact that he is gone. Um, a lot of times people um, see these uh, cases on social media. They see these stories and on the news and things like that, and they think, okay, this is a story, and then the next story comes and the next story comes, but that the part that they really don't catch, the part that people don't quite understand is that this is not just a case for us. This is our lives. We have to live with this pain on a daily basis. And all the moms that's on the call right now, they understand what I'm talking about, that this pain never goes away. We're never going to fully recover from what has happened to our sons. And so what we have done and what we have committed to is spending the rest of our lives, because there is no other focus for me other mm -hmm. than fighting for justice for not only my son, but for other sons and other daughters and young people that have uh, been falling victim of senseless gun violence. And we just have to put things in proper perspective, and we have to continue to talk. We have to continue to fight, and we have to remember that we're never going to give up because this is our lives. Well, and I'll tell you what, uh, and can I call you Sabrina? Absolutely. Okay, and uh, Sabrina and all you ladies, Sabrina, Wanda, Lucy, Gwen, uh, I, I sit here tonight outraged, to be honest with you. Uh, I have followed the news reports. I have followed this uh, very exclusively, and I think what is so commendable to you ladies is that the drive in the and the fight that's in you to say we're, we're it's not enough just to accept the system is what it is. If we sit back and, and become silent as a result of our grief, we don't honor those that we've lost, have we? That's true. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. 
and uh, I, I think it's important. I think it's commendable what you folks are doing, and uh, it's time that we take a look uh, as a country that we're in a bad state of mind in this country, and this what has happened to you folks, uh, you ladies, and I'm going to be honest with you, uh, I consider you ladies heroes. I mean, you, you folks are heroes. Because how many people hide away and can't deal with the pain because they, have, they cannot cope? Something inside of you drove you to continue to fight for justice. And I believe it is, it is the temperature of this country is why it's where it's at right now. And uh, I'm going to just pose our panel here. Uh, our uh, other radio hosts, we're going to pose some questions to you folks, and um, we're going to get involved with this conversation. And we may have some callers that are going to call in that may have some questions for you, may have some comments for you. Uh, but I tell you what, we honor you tonight, and, and no, nothing less than that, uh, as we let your voice be heard here on AJC Radio. And I'll, this question goes first to um, Lucy. Um, and I understand uh, you actually, if I'm not mistaken, actually spoke before Congress. Is that correct? Yes, I have. And I was listening uh, to one of your your statement, and you said that your father uh, would have been proud and beaming that his daughter was at that moment speaking to Congress. But what shook me to the core was the fact when you said, but had he once he figured out why I was here. All of that goes away. Can you comment a little bit more about that? Um, yes. I, I'm a, a definite product of the civil rights movement. My father was Illinois branch president of the NAACP for over 20 years and also served on its executive board. So I can remember as a child we were following Daddy and my mom you know, around the country as Daddy gave speeches, and we went to marches and rallies, and I remember the civil rights workers uh, coming to my house as a child, even though I didn't know who they were. I just remember attorneys and, you know, and I remember signs, you know, I guess picket signs and things of that nature that they would come over and they were always coming over and kind of debriefing and, and strategizing. But there again, as a child, I didn't understand what was happening. But in the back seat of the car, you know, we were had our crayons and pillows and blankets and potato chips and you know we traveled along with my with my father as much as we possibly could so to be a product of the civil rights movement and and to see my parents so entrenched in that is is just um it's a part of who I am it's a part of my legacy it's a part of my history but i think you know my father even as proud as he would be of me today, the fact that I became involved in this work, this has come full circle for me simply because I lost my son. That would be extremely disheartening and painful to him, and it would make him feel like everything that he worked so hard for in the civil rights movement to make sure that you know his grandchildren could walk down the street without being and living in fear, he would probably basically roll over in his grave if he knew why I was speaking before Congress. Well, and uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pose a question to uh, what would make this easier as well. I'm going to pose a question. I'm going to get the comments from each and every one of you uh, right down the line, okay? And, and this question comes is for all of you, and then I'm going to start with uh, Gwen for you first. As you... Okay. As you have observed the judicial system, uh, prior to this act happening uh, to your son, 
did you believe, and this is for all of you, was there a point that you honestly believed that the system was fair, that something, you know, before the, the horrible uh, injustices began to unfold, in your case, uh, in the case with your son, Gwen, no indictment comes down to the officer. Uh, I mean, what did you feel before about the justice system? And what do you feel now, given, is there hope? And I'll start with you, Gwen, and we'll, we'll add, get answers from all of you here in a moment. Gwen, go ahead. Okay, before this happened to me, to be truthful, um, I have never had any encounters with the police. So, you know, I knew it wasn't fair. You know, I've heard and I've seen what has been happening. But truthfully, it, it bothered me. But I never took any action. You know, I'm you know I'm ashamed to say. But after this tragic happened to me, it just filled me with just. First of all, I was filled with sorrow. I was filled with oh no, they didn't do this to me. They didn't take my son away from me. And I was, you know, first when it happened, I was just out of it. I I, I just didn't know what to do. You know, after I collected myself and, you know, got to thinking and got to praying, I said, no, I can't just lay here and cry and grieve myself to death. i got to get up. i got to make some moves. You know, so I said, you know what, Glenn, you get up from here. You go and you change. You take your sorrow and turn it into a strategy. You take your mourning and you change it into a movement. Your pain into some positive energy, and that's what I'm doing now. And I know we did not get an indictment, which I don't know how. It, you know, we didn't. We had a full, a full mm-hmm. video. We had mm-hmm. two medical examiners that ruled my son's death a homicide. One of the medical examiners was a police forensic, and we still didn't get an indictment. Where is the justice? Now I know that the justice system is so unfair, so unbalanced. And, you know, I have to fight. I, it, I don't care if it takes forever for myself, for my son, for other people, because there are other mothers that still in the same pain that I'm feeling. They didn't get high profile on their cases, but I'm, I will stand with them. I will be their voice. And anything they need me to do, any place they need me to speak, to speak out, I will be there. Well, we salute you. And Wanda, uh, before and after, your thoughts about this about this system. What were your thoughts at that time? My thoughts have always been that the judicial system um, is not a balanced scale, that the disproportionate of African Americans have always been into prison and so, um, and always have been given a sentence much uh, higher than other nationalities. So I've always felt that um, that the judicial system needs some work. And even after when my son's, um, the person who killed my son, he was found guilty for the first time in California history, a police officer was charged, and he was charged with involuntary manslaughter and also a gun enhancement charge. But because the attorney, I mean, because the judge um, said that he had given the jurors um, the wrong instructions, he threw out the gun enhancement charge 
and then he um, informed us that, you know, we should have been happy that um, Obama was in office. Um, and so then he told the... Wanda, I, I got to make sure I heard you correctly, and I apologize for the interruption. Did you say the judge made the statement, you ought to be thankful? Did I hear you yes, correct? Yes, we ought to be happy that, yes, that uh, President Obama was in office. We've come a long way. Wow. And so we kind of, as a family, knew that we weren't going to be given the verdict or um, given the sentence that we should have been given. Um, he then went on to, as he sentenced the officer, he went on to give him, you know, time for good behavior and other time off. So the officer only ended up serving 11 months in a county jail um, for wow. killing my son. And I, I thought about so many others, uh, Michael Vick, who went to prison for those years for dog mauling. And I thought about, you know, other people who have went to jail for, and they have went to prison for committing le crimes less than um, killing a person, and they receiving more time than that. So do I think, um, what do I think about the judicial system? I think that the judicial system needs to be revamped, um, especially when it comes to having the uh, persecutor defend uh, the family who have lost a loved one by the hands of police, um, I, I look at that as a conflict of interest because they have spent so much time together um, that it's kind of hard to even try to try that person whom you may have a familiar relationship with, um, honestly. And so I think that our judicial system works um, needs uh, a great deal of work. Oh, absolutely. And uh, 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 Sabrina, your situation, and I'm coming to you, Lucy, hanging there with me. Uh, Sabrina, your situation, what I was talking about today, is that the 911 call, they, made the, they told him point blank, do not do that. When they were asked to follow, he asked, are you following this young man? He said, do not follow him. How in the world, and I, I'm going to let you comment on my question, but I, I want to just uh, phrase this how in the world do you follow a man a young boy with skittles and some iced tea walking and minding his own business you pursue him and then you want to claim i felt in danger of my life so it was self-defense you followed this young boy when you hear that and i'm sure you've been asked that question a thousand times did you believe at least at one time in this country that justice prevailed? I know you can't believe that it does now. Please give us your thoughts on that. Um, my thoughts are um, Trayvon was absolutely minding his own business. Trayvon was in a community that he was unfamiliar with, but he knew where he was going, and he was walking back to the house where he came from. And he simply walked to the store to get some something to drink and some candy. And this person decided, okay, I am going to profile you. 
It's 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 very simple. It's crystal clear. I mean, other than a video, I I I really don't know how people got it all twisted and everything, and and wanted to make Trayvon out of being the bad guy. But that's usually what they do when somebody is being murdered that is African American. Then they blame the victim. But Trayvon was absolutely minding his own business. He was on the phone with a young lady from Miami. Um, he was unarmed. Um, this person followed Chase and pursued him. Yeah. Trayvon actually ran at some point. It came out in court that he actually ran at some point and must have hid or something, and this guy still followed him with a loaded gun, and he knew he had a loaded gun. Yeah. And, and at that particular time, my son, I feel, was standing his ground. He was fighting for his life. And at the, the time that the shots went off, he, my son, Trayvon Martin, was yelling for help. And still, this murderer shot my son. There's no yeah. way in the world you can convince me that you're holding a loaded gun and you yelling for help. I absolutely don't believe that. And I don't think anybody believes that. But that's what they do to try to justify the actions of somebody that murdered a 17-year-old kid that wasn't oh, asking for any confrontation, was just simply walking back to a house. And, and you know, that is what is twisted with the American justice system, because you look at you look at the entire story of Trayvon Martin and, and the, uh, you know, the other deaths by the hand of law enforcement. That's one thing. But at least those give you some level of, okay, can they try to twist the story? Can they try to use some type of arbitration? They say, yeah, this officer fell in danger for his life. They try to throw something in the mix that says, okay, this is because he's a law enforcement. It doesn't work. I mean, it's still transparent how they get away with it. It's sickening. But then to have somebody like George Zimmerman, a man on the street to follow somebody, chase them down, be told by the 911 operator, we do not need you to follow this young man around. You need to back off. And for him to get out of his car with a loaded weapon to cobla, I mean, this is an issue where you try to confront somebody, you get to the point where, the, uh, you know, Trayvon is fighting for his life, uh, Zimmerman is 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 just I mean he's too much of a coward and he chases Trayvon down and then shoots him in cold blood and a jury says that this is not this is this is self defense on a man with a gun in his hand? That's the how does that how does that ever make sense in America? That is third world country that is KGB. That is the, I mean that is that is some dictatorship where they said okay the you're above the law because of who you are or who your family might be or something like that but for that to be able to happen and the people of America not be outraged it shows the state of our country it shows that right down the middle right down race lines that everything is still split that nothing has changed from the 50s and the 60s and the civil rights movement that a black life should matter as much as a white life, but it does not. And it, yep. it is sickening, and it's it's heart-wrenching. And, uh, Sabrina, to hear you talk about it, you know that this still 
uh, you know, just grips you with pain even until this day. And, and we commend you for the stand that you take and for continuing to spread the uh, the message. And all you ladies are, again, our heroes. And Lucy, uh, I'll, I'll let you get the last word on this before we go, uh, go to break. Uh, your thoughts before this happened to you and after. Uh, your thoughts. Well, I mean, most definitely we were just extremely hurt by Trayvon's murder. And we had discussions. I remember the day that I stood in my bedroom discussing what happened with Trayvon with Jordan. And I remember distinctly Jordan saying, Mom, he wasn't doing nothing. He wasn't doing anything. You know, why did he get murdered? You know, and I remember saying to him, you know, baby, you have got to be so careful that simply because of the color of your skin and that you are a black male, that you will be perceived differently by people in this country. You know, you, you may not be valued as a human being. You may not be valued as a black man. You have got to be careful where you walk, who you talk to, what you do. And, um, and the, the biggest thing I remember saying to him of all is that, and if you are ever in a confrontation with anyone, stand down, back off, because nowadays people will not have, you know, just civil conversations or arguments with you. They will take out a gun and shoot you. And I remember saying that to him and Jordan with his seven, you know, 16-year-old bravado at that time. No, nobody's going to shoot me down. Nobody, I can take care of myself. I'm going to be okay. But I, I, I remember that day so vividly because it was just basically I was speaking into existence my own son's destiny. And it's just so disheartening now that, you know, it's not just Trayvon, it's not just Jordan, it's not just Oscar Graham, it's not just Michael Brown, it's not just Eric Garner. I mean, it's, the list goes on and on and on. And there's so many other people being gunned down every single day, and nobody knows who they are except the communities that they lived in. Nobody knows who these people are except the family members and the loved ones that are devastated and left to live on after they're gone. And our people are dying in the streets senselessly for no reason other than being black. And and, and I and I applaud every mother on the phone with me and the mothers that are still in the trenches fighting and we don't even know who they are. I applaud them because we have to move forward. We have to get this country to see and understand that we matter, that we have a right to exist and live in this country freely without being gunned down. And the systemic racism and the systemic violence, what we're dealing with now is no different than what we were dealing with in the 60s, the 50s, and the 40s with the civil rights movement. It is still civil rights, and we still have to continue to fight this fight. Absolutely, and I have a question for you. Um, and uh, we were we got a caller that wants to actually talk to you, ladies. And uh, uh, Cliff, who's on the line? Yes, we have uh, Rose on the line has a comment. Uh, you're live. Go ahead. Yes, uh, thank you for taking my call. As I sit here and listen to these mothers, and I'm a mother as well, uh, my heart just aches inside. You, it is so unbelievable. This is not a tragedy 
that you outlive. It, it, you live with it for the rest of your life. I never had a son uh, who was shot by police or or even some other person. I lost my son, and a statement was made one day to me that going to prison is like dying with your eyes wide open. Uh, all these years, I never believed that all this type of stuff that we're seeing now could possibly be, uh, be happening. And we say, well, we're, we're well past that. Racism in this country is as great now as it ever was, and that's a tragedy, considering all the people who have given their lives. I watched the Trayvon Martin trial. I watched everything. All the other ladies, I, I didn't know a lot about, but uh, that one was recent. And then, and then, and then, Mr. Garner, and then Michael uh, Brown. I am telling you, I thought, am I going to turn my TV on again? And there be, and there's another black man, a uh, black boy that they have killed. It got to the place you think. When is this madness going to stop? That's why I commend the mothers for coming together, joining forces, because numbers is strength. Numbers with people fighting together is unity. That's how you get something accomplished in this country. And I watch this thing, and I'm thinking every day of my life, how much, how much more can you do to a race of people and the laws endorse them. They sent uh, that man who killed Trayvon. I don't even like to call his name. They they sent him up. I, at one point, it was a half million dollars. You know what they did? They said to the man that killed Trayvon Martin, "We want to reward you for getting rid of that black boy." Uh, other people, I don't know how many other people have been given money, and that police officer who killed Michael Brown, he got, uh, I know at one point it was over $400,000. Well, you know what they're saying? Keep killing them and you'll get paid for it. Yeah. It makes me sick to my stomach. How in the world can you come back with a not guilty verdict on Trayvon Martin? I cannot get with that for nothing. When that when that pig should have been moved, should have been at home somewhere instead of instead of instead of tracking that young boy down. That's not gonna. He look like he's up to something. You tell me. How does he look like he's up to something? What made who made you a psychologist? Just because he's walking and got a little drink in his hand and, a, and some Skittles, and I resent these people that every time they kill a black man in this country, they always go back and try to find some kind of little thing they did. Uh, 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 they, they, they had done drugs one time. So, so what the white was doing, too, and they're still out there doing their thing. I think it is, I think it is horrible that you would do this to these parents after their children have been killed, violently murdered, then you come out talking about any mistakes they may have made. They don't push on this planet. All of our kids make mistakes. But they put my son, my son-in-law, in prison. And four other men that I, I'm a pastor of a church here in Colorado Springs. They put all the men in prison that were innocent. We taught our kids that when, when we first heard about it before we became a victim of this system, that if you got, you know, evidence that you didn't do anything wrong, that's all you need. These were IT executives 
uh, professionals. And you know what? I know I can go to the prison to see my son and see these other five guys. You'll never see your son again. That is a tragedy. As a mother, my heart hurts for you. I pray that God would give you the strength to continue to fight. They took my daughter away from me and put her in prison, never broke the law, never did nothing wrong. The most crooked, corrupt judge that I've ever seen in my life. Uh, It makes me sick when I think about it. Because they wanted our six guys to take a plea deal. They said, we didn't do nothing wrong. We're not pleading to anything. They put my daughter in prison to try to make them accept uh, uh, a dual plea deal. And she said, Mama, you know what? I would do it all over again. I don't want to bow to it. I commend you mothers with everything within me. You are in my prayers. I can't imagine your pain. I lost a daughter that was 29 years old, so I know what it feels like to lose a child, even though she died of natural causes. But to die a violent death like this, and then he sit in the courtroom, uh, when when Trayvon's trial is, uh, I mean, the trial is going on about Trayvon, he sits there with a smirky look on his face as if, you know, I'm the right fellow, I'll get away with it. I resent it in every, everything in my soul to see this kind of stuff. And then they tell this crap about the, nobody, everybody, there's nobody above the law. There's people all over this nation. That is above the law. They commit crimes. They kill people. They murder people. Do all this stuff. They don't get. They don't get uh, put in prison. They don't get anything of the sort. Our guys are working hard to 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 build software that will protect our country. And and they, and they, and their fathers. My husband has served in the military for twenty plus years. And then and then and then these men, they were military people who had served their country. And this kind of treatment. My son said to me when I went to the prison, he said, "Mama, I tried to do something good to help the country, and is this my thanks? You put me in prison for eleven years." I'm telling you, this is a sick country, but I thank you for standing up and fighting. My heart is with you. If you ever need anybody else helping to get the news out and the voices out there, please count on Pastor Rose Banks. I will do anything that I can do within my within my power to say, no, we need to cry out loud in this country. We need to really let it out, because if you go somewhere and, and grieve, even though we want the, we have a right to grieve. But if we grieve, they continue to kill more and more and more people. We have to stand up as black women in this country and say, it's not okay uh, for you to kill my son. And then they tell the story about all lives matter. Yeah, they do, except you only kill the black ones. So all lives, we want black people's lives to matter. Our sons and our daughters, that you don't put them in prison. One out of every three uh, males born in this country will end up going to prison. Before he ever cries the first time, before he ever gets to kindergarten, before he ever does anything, he's already doomed to be put in prison. This is a sick country. We better cry out like we never did before. 
I commend you. I wish I was there with you. I put my arms around you and say I love you. And our whole family is standing with you to support you because the pain that you feel, only God, only God could comprehend and understand what's in you, how that ripped your heart apart. And my, I just want you to know we are praying for you. We will continue to pray for you and pray that God will help our voices to get louder and louder. We need as many mothers as all over this country who's lost sons and daughters. We need them to join forces and become a force in this country to say we're not going to sit back and let you keep killing our kids. We're not going to do it. We're not going to let you send them to prison when they didn't do anything. This is a horrible situation. So I am in the boat with you understanding what it means to be to be crushed and and put away and and I watched my sons work themselves to death and got that software ready for Homeland Security, New York Police Department, Philadelphia Police Department, and they went and told all those people don't do business with them, and then took to then get a, get an indictment on them based on lies from an FBI agent. This thing is uncomprehendable. So believe me, I understand you. And I sat in my chair tonight waiting for this moment that I could come on the air and say to you, may God forever give you strength to continue to fight. Surely you get tired. Surely you miss your son. And I I can't even imagine that. And, and, and when you got the news that he was dead, I just can't imagine it. So please know we're with you, and thank you for coming on Just Cause Radio. We appreciate it for you taking your time out. This is part of the fight. God bless you. We love you and appreciate you. Thank you for taking my call. We thank you so much. I just want to say thank you um, for praying for us and continue to pray for us and continue to lift us up And because we are going through some struggles, and we have our good days and we have our bad days. All of us yes. from this same fight. But I thank God for you, and I thank God for people like you that's not afraid to stand up and stand out. And and even though we might not know the reason why our sons were selected and the reason why this happened at such a time as this, um, and the country is so concerned with foreign countries when we have a crisis going on right here. So so we, we just have to make sure that we connect with each other, that we reunite with each other. And that's what's strengthening us is to know that I can call on another mother and she is going through the same things that I'm going through and she can pray with me and talk with me and cry with me and hug with me. And I have somebody that's going through it. And, and it makes a big difference to know that we are not alone. So continue, please continue just to lift us up. And I thank God for you. Thank you. I Yes. Someone was trying to make a comment. Go ahead. Who was trying to make a comment? Go ahead. It was you, Pastor. Yes, I just wanted to tell you that uh, we. I appreciate you and these women. It's like having it's like having close friends that you never met. And, and believe me, we will not stop praying because if prayer don't get it done, nothing will get it done. It takes God to bring stuff back. 
and really give us our life back the way we want it. You can't have Trayvon and another man can't have their sons back and, 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 and Mr. God I thought I thought, my God, what are you doing to that man? We're sitting yes. here watching. It's just being yes. unbelievable. Thank you so much, honey, for being on here. And if you ever need to call on me, please feel free to ask them for my own home number at any time, day or night. Because I know sometimes you wake up in the middle of the night, it's like, God, if I only had somebody to talk to, if I could just let out what I'm feeling inside, the pain hurts so bad. But when you have somebody there who said, I understand, I know which how you feel, it means everything. It's, we can be straight to each other. And let's fight a good fight. We can fight a good fight, and we can win. No matter what anybody says, we can win. So true, so true. Yeah, this is Gwen Carr, Eric Garner's mother. I thank you so much for that, and it's all because of God that I'm still standing strong. I put him first in my life. And sometimes when tragics happen to us, we question God. But I know we shouldn't question God. But yes. I still lean on his everlasting love because God told us that vengeance is mine. And I believe that. If we never know that those criminals, you know, is punished, we know that there is still a God. And we thank God for people like you and keep praying for us, and we want to keep praying for each other. Yes, yes. Thank you, honey. Thank you. We love you, and may God forever bless you. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, you too. Thank you so much. Well, ladies, um, wow. Um, That's Pastor Rose Banks, Colorado Springs Fellowship Church in Colorado Springs. And, ladies, how much time do you have left with us? We would not want to impose in any way on your time. Are you, do, you, do you guys want to come back with us on the other side of this break? Or do you guys have obligations um, that you have to get to? I have to. I have to. I'm in Manhattan, so I have to go and meet my husband on the other side of Brooklyn. So I thought I would be Okay. So I'll probably have to leave the call, but I'm just so interested. I would be willing to come back at another time. No, no problem. That's that's Gwen, right? Yes, this is Gwen. All right, Gwen. This is what we're going to do. Um, we're going to be in contact with you um, in regards to Pastor uh, Rose Banks and her invitation to call her. She is a warrior, one with a sincere heart. We will have her number given to you, and she means uh-huh. that. Uh, I believe. Oh, I, a- I know she does. I believe she does. So we're going to do that. And uh, so if you want to hang on the line, uh, Gwen, they're going to give um, that phone number to you. Can you hang on the line? They're going to give you that phone number as we go to break. Sure. Stay on the line. Sure. They'll give you that phone number. Lucy, can you come back with me? Yeah, I have to go too as well. <laughs> okay, so no worries. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. Please don't apologize. And we're just going to get an account. And uh, Sabrina, are you able to come back or are you needing to wrap it up as well? You get me. Huh? I said you have me. I'm on the call. Okay. And Wanda? I'm on the call as well. Okay. Folks, we will be right back. As, and and, and uh, Gwen and Lucy, such a pleasure. Yes. Uh, we will, we will be back. Thank you so much. You guys have inspired us tonight, and you've gained a friend and a ally uh, in Pastor Rose Banks. Thank you. Also, uh, Thank you City. so much. We're indebted uh, to so many people in the country that we will never even meet. 
Yes, that is so true. And we're going to reach out to you some other things that are going on. There may be an opportunity to get your message out further. We'll explain that as mm-hmm. well as we get back in contact with you, okay? We're coming oh, okay. right back. Okay, we're coming right Thank back. Thank you so much. Front. You're so welcome, and our prayers and thoughts are with you and your families. Uh, Thank Wanda, you. God bless. God bless you. And, and uh, Sabrina, we're coming right back on the other side of this break. Ladies and gentlemen of America, this is a just cause as we have honored the heroes as we remember the victims whose lives matter. We have had Gwen Carr Garner, Lucy McBath, Reverend Wanda Johnson, and also Sabrina Fulton, the mothers, and I call them uh, heroes of our nation. We're coming right back with Reverend Wanda Johnson and Trevon, uh, Trevon Martin's mother, Sabrina Fulton. And stay with us here on AJC Radio as we search for justice and bring the message of justice around the world. Lucy, you can stay on the line and get uh, Pastor Banks' personal phone number as well. Uh, That'll be provided for you as well. We'll be right back. prison who's innocent? The United States is experiencing record numbers of exonerations in cases where people were wrongfully convicted of crimes they did not commit. If you believe that no one should be sent to prison for crimes they didn't commit, there is something that you can do today. By remembering a just cause with a monthly, annual, or one-time donation, you can help in the fight against wrongful convictions. Call a just cause at 855-529- 4252 or visit a-justcause.com and click the donate button. A Just Cause is a 501c3. Wrongful convictions are wrong. Let's be the voice of those who can't speak from behind the wall. Bart police officer who shot and killed a man. When I first saw the Oscar Grant footage, like a lot of people here in Oakland, I was outraged. As soon as I heard about it and I went online and I seen what had happened, tears came down my eyes. It was something that was very alarming as a police officer and as a citizen of Oakland. It was like such a blatant murder. You have a city in trauma. Anyone that's seen that and looks at it is in trauma. My hope is that people will express their concern with police brutality, but they will do so in constructive ways that don't include violence. We cannot perpetrate this cycle of harm and violence in this community. Because we do have to live here and they terrorize the city and it's only going to make it worse for us. They killed our young You can protest, you can try to make a change, but there is a positive way you can do it. And make sure we let the police know and that we're aware that stuff ain't right out here. We're trying to fix it. In a way that is about using your voice for justice and making Oakland a safer place for everyone to live and get along. Violence is not justice. Violence is not justice. Violence is not justice. Violence is not justice. We know you care. Now is time. Time to change the face of justice. Did you know that minority and youth participation in juries is extremely low to non-existent? The incidence of youth and minority offenders faced with trials have exploded. Youth and minorities are not being represented as they should be. 
we must represent for people to get fair trials. If you acquire a state ID or driver's license, it allows you to register to vote. And it allows you to become eligible for jury service. If you're 18, a U.S. citizen with a state ID or driver's license, and registered to vote, you're eligible to be called for jury duty. If called and selected, make it your duty to serve. We can't get justice without you. Change. 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 Change the face of justice. Check your local county or state jury service website for further details. I'm a mother. I'm a father. I'm a sister. A registered nurse. I serve my country in the United States military. I'm your neighbor. I sit next to you at church. And my child was arrested, held in custody, questioned without my knowledge, exposed to violence, witnessed to rape, placed in solitary confinement, unable to call or see me, shackled to a wall, beaten, sentenced as an adult at age 17, sentenced as an adult at age 16, sentenced as an adult at age 15. We felt lost, isolated, ostracized, misjudged, terrified, and in the absence of all hope, my child took his own life. And then I found the Alliance for Youth Justice. They gave me the support and resources to get through one of the most difficult times in my life. Now I know I'm not alone. And neither are you. Now we have a voice. Now we We have have power. power. In numbers. In numbers. In numbers. We we can can make a difference. There are approximately 2 million children in the juvenile and criminal justice system in this country. These are the faces of those families. If you are the family member of a child who has been in the justice system, or if you are someone who supports this movement and is ready to make a difference, visit the Campaign for Youth Justice at www.campaignforyouthjustice.org. Thompson George Zimmerman was found not guilty of murdering their son, Trayvon Martin's parents, are speaking publicly this morning about the verdict. Sabrina Fulton and Tracy Martin are with us, along with their attorney, Benjamin Crump. Good morning. Good, Good morning. morning. First of all, it ought to be said that among all these questions, everybody understands, most importantly, the loss of your son. And you have to answer these questions. I mean, you don't have to, but it's part of a process that you're going through. What is it you most want us to understand? before we talk about the particulars of this verdict. Um, I want uh, Americans to know that Trayvon was a a fun-loving child. Uh, He was our child. Um, We we miss him dearly. Um, Just to have your child's life taken away from from you like that, uh, it hurts me. Process that will take a long time to, to start the recovery from. How are you feeling, Sabrina, after the verdict? Um, I was in a bit of shock. Um, I thought surely that he would be found guilty of second degree murder, um, manslaughter at the least, but I just knew that they would see that this was a teenager just trying to get home. This was no burglar. This was somebody, somebody's son that was trying to get home. You were stunned by the verdict. I was stunned. I was absolutely. I, I, I couldn't believe it. You believe it? 
this was uh, racial profiling, and this happened because of that? Um, we didn't know uh, details about the case. We knew some of them, but some of the details came out in the courtroom um, as far as previous 911 calls, and um, I think it was, you know, obvious that it was a black person, a black young person that they were looking for. But Trayvon simply was not that person. Trayvon was not a burglar. Um, he wasn't doing anything wrong. He went simply went to the store and was headed back home. And for somebody to look at him and perceive him to be a burglar, that that is the problem that initiated everything. Did you hear that juror um, who spoke out with Anderson Cooper? And what did you think when you heard her say that she believed that Trayvon played a huge role in his own death? I don't think she knows Trayvon. Trayvon is not a confrontational person. So instead of placing the blame on the teenager, we need to place the blame on the responsible adult. And there you have it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to AJC Radio, where tonight we have shined the light on heroes, and they are mothers of the victims who we have lost, uh, victims who are their children. And tonight we have had the privilege to have Sabrina Fulton, the mother of Trayvon Martin, Reverend Wanda Johnson, the mother of Oscar Grant III, Lucy Davis McBath, the mother of 17-year-old Jordan Russell Davis, and of course Gwen Carr Garner, the mother of Eric Gardner, who was murdered in New York City. Welcome back. I'm Lamont Banks, along with Charlisa Stewart, Cliff Stewart, and Jeanette Williams. As we have had an opportunity, and I am touched, moved, every type of emotion you can imagine is shaken through this studio tonight, and uh, Miss uh, Gardner and uh, Miss Macbeth had to uh, leave us, but we still are privileged uh, in this closing segment to have Sabrina Fulton, Trayvon Martin's mother, and the Reverend Wanda Johnson uh, still with us. Are you ladies there? Yes, yes I'm I am. Here. Yes, okay, thank you, ladies, for spending the time with us. And Wanda, I got a question for you, and I'm going to come to you here in a moment because I'm going to get your comments on that interview. Uh, that Sabrina just did. Sabrina, when you hear that interview, um, what goes through your mind as somebody makes a statement that Trayvon Martin is responsible in part for his own death? That is the most insane thing that could come out of a person's mouth. When you hear that, does that serve as a driving force to make you even fight harder? Um, I, I can't say that that particular statement does. It just shows that some people are insensitive. It shows the the deep-rooted hate that prevails in this country and, and how somebody, because of the color of their skin, can racially profile someone, can follow them, chase them, pursue them, and, and, and almost hunt them down and shoot them because of the color of their skin and then justified by saying, I was standing my ground. I was I was 
defending myself. You were defending yourself against a 17-year-old with no weapon. And this man was 28 years old with a loaded gun ready to murder someone. And so for a long time, I couldn't even say the word murder. I couldn't even say that because I just refused to believe that we were still living in a country that still allowed this to happen. We, we we allowed this to happen way back from when Emmett Till was murdered. And then still, at, at during the time that Trayvon was murdered in t- 2012, we were still facing challenges dealing with racial profiling and the injustice that the system has caused among black lives. And so sure. I really, I, I try to focus on my son. I try to focus on my boys because, you know, I have an older son that's 24 years old, just graduated from college. And, and I, I try to keep my mind focused on what I need to focus on. I have heard a lot of things, but I don't let that drive my, my, my focus. My focus is doing what I need to do for myself, doing what I need to do for my family, doing what I need to do for my boys. And so I refuse to let somebody, you know, somebody's comment take my focus off my drive. Oh, no, and, and that's definitely um, commendable, um, uh, Sabrina. And and the question for you, Wanda, um, says here that uh, the, uh, I guess, Bart, uh Former BART officer Johannes cried in open court as he described shooting uh, your son as he lay face down on the train platform. Uh, the 33-year-old claims he mistakenly used his service revolver when he wanted to grab a taser. Now, I don't have to be a genius to understand how light a taser is and how heavy a revolver is. When you hear that type of explanation... Wh- Tell me your thoughts on that. I'm outraged when I hear something. Do you honestly think well, people don't believe that? Go ahead. That was his fabrication. His first um, thing was he thought he was going for a gun. When Oscar was clearly laying on the platform, on his stomach, with his hands behind his back, when he got up, when Johannes Nazareth got up and shot him in the back and killed him, that didn't work when he said he thought he had a gun, so he tried to say he was resisting arrest. And then he finally got a new attorney, and his last statement was that he went for his, uh, he, was, he meant to go for his taser instead of his gun. Um, t- to me, all that was a lie. My son's last picture of that officer was that officer knowing where his taser was because he had pointed it at, at the youth that was on the platform. And so it's very disheartening how this judicial system has set up a set of lies to have the officers say, um, to try to convince the public that that person, um, the shooting was justifiable. It is just horrible. Um, they have done that in so many different cases to try to um, convince people to believe that the person who was killed, um, their, their, the killing was justifiable. And so I, I don't believe it, and I never will believe it. Um, even the officer on his uh, paper that he wrote with the first attorney that he had, 
did not say that um, he uh, he used his taser instead of his gun. He said he um, released his, result, his, his revolver, so he knew exactly what he was doing. Okay, and um, we are coming to the end of this show, and Sabrina and Wanda, I cannot tell you how how close in heart that we feel to you tonight. Uh, and as Pastor Rose Banks alluded to, you've found a friend tonight in AJC at Just Calls, as well as Pastor Rose Banks, pastor of Colorado Springs Fellowship here in Colorado Springs. You're ever in the area, uh, you have an ally and a warrior. When she says she's praying, you can you can you can bank on it and. We are so touched and honored that uh, you folks took time tonight to be a part of this uh, show uh, with what you're doing. And we're with you. Uh, we're going to be reaching out to you, uh, ladies, uh, regarding another thing that's going on. And we'll get into that offline. But uh, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for letting your voice be lifted and let it be heard. And know that our hearts and our prayers uh, are with you every step of the way and that we're here for you. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank, Thank you. you so Thank much you. for the invite. And hello, Sabrina, since I didn't get to say it earlier. How you doing? Um, I just want to say thank you as well. I want to say um, thank you to the, uh, all the uh, AJC uh, radio listeners and the online listeners. And I just thank God for everybody who just stood and support with us and continue to support us and just continue to, to lift us up. And we will definitely do that. Stay on the line. We're going to give you uh, Pastor Rose Banks, uh, her number. Uh, and ladies, please, it is a valuable asset to be able to call a woman that has a heart for people and uh, a heart for God. Please take her up on her offer and call her anytime. She means, she means that from the bottom of her heart, okay? Thank you. Thank okay. you so much. Take care. You guys be safe out there tonight. Thank you. Well, there you have it, uh, ladies and gentlemen. We have been graced tonight and blessed tonight to talk to the heroes of America. And these are the mothers of the senseless slayings of their, of their children. Lucy Davis Macbeth, Reverend Wanda Johnson, Sabrina Fulton, and Gwen Carr Garner who have taken time tonight to share their story. And uh, Lisa, Cliff, Jeanette, as we close another show, I I'm overwhelmed with um, not only Pastor Banks' plea and reaching out, but also the, the hearts of these mothers. Lisa, as we do our closing thoughts here, how do we wrap this up? Well, Lamont, it just, it's been, Wow. It's been a very moving show, and I think we were honored to have these ladies on here with us this evening. And their their stories are enough to break your heart. Yeah. It's enough to make you, I mean, it messes with your, <laughs> pretty much messes with the rest of your day because you're thinking about what these women are going through. And thinking about, I remember when I had to have a talk with my son, and the fact when I thought about it, I thought I shouldn't be having to talk to my son about how to how to act and what to do if a, if a policeman approaches you. That shouldn't be something that I have to do because that's not what our policemen are supposed to be out there for. They're there to protect and to serve. And uh, we should live in a society where people can just 
go on about their lives and not have to worry that somebody may shoot me in the back or give me uh, a dozen warning shots because I walked by and they didn't like the way I looked when I walked by. That should not be the state of this country. That should not be the way our citizens are living. It shouldn't be that way. We shouldn't have mothers heartbroken because their children have been killed for no reason. It just it's not it's not the way America's supposed to be. That's not what this isn't we're supposed to be this great land of the free. There's no freedom here. When you have to talk to your children, explain to them, be careful what you do. Be careful how you walk and what you say. Watch what you do because you might get a warning shot in the back. Yeah. That should not be the case. It just shouldn't be like that. It shouldn't be. And, uh, Cliff, you're a father. Uh, what do you do? Tell your son. How hard is it, again, as we close this show tonight, to comment to your son and say, it's a real world and it's dangerous out there? Well, uh, I think the most difficult part is because, you know, where I grew up, I grew up with the police all the time, and and I just grew up that way. I knew, hey, you know, look out for the police. That was just the neighborhood I grew up in. That was just a part of it. Well, I, um, you know, ensure that my son doesn't have to go through that and try to do the things that that, uh, I need to do to ensure that he doesn't have to live in a neighborhood like that where, you know, my, my thought was never that, a conversation like that would have to be had with him with where he grew up. But you look at it and you realize it doesn't matter. In America, any any black man, any black boy, uh, any black person can end up becoming a victim of, uh, of law enforcement for no reason. And, and uh, just like Miss Johnson said about her son, I mean, they will come up with a story for why they shot you Absolutely. in the back. How, how does a man lay face down on a train track and the police officer say, I thought he was going for his gun, and so I shot him in the back? Doesn't make a lot of sense. It's, it's insane. And, Jeanette, your closing comments as you have heard this show tonight. It's definitely been an emotional ride tonight. I tell you that, Levant. Um, I have an, an appreciation and a deeper appreciation for these women. Um, what... what um, Lucy was saying about the stand your ground law and that loose interpretation and how she's fighting. I commend her for that because unloading your gun uh, because you don't like the volume of my music, uh, that's not standing your ground. They were no threat. I just, I mean, the injustice is just beyond words and I appreciate what all of them had to say because the judicial system definitely needs reform. No, absolutely. And thank you, Jeanette, for that. And folks, Cliff, uh unconventional way of closing this show we sent a very special invitation to mothers fathers families who have suffered the loss of a child at the hand of police and senseless killings that happen across this country we extend a personal invitation to you to contact the just cause immediately as we will start a campaign to come together in unity to help you and others and countless millions who suffer at the hand of injustice. You can go to a-justcalls.com. You can contact us there. Also, you can go to ajcradio.com. The archives of this program will be listed there as well. And um, please give us a phone call. Uh, Reach out to us via email, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, We will be there. And we extend that invitation as we start a campaign for unity and that, that these lives do matter. Please contact the Just Calls right away. 
as we continue to bring the message of justice around the world. Cliff? Yes, we want to, again, say thank you to all of our guests, Reverend Wanda Johnson, Sabrina Fulton, uh, Lucy Davis-McBath, and Miss Gwen Carr-Garner. We appreciate you guys taking time out of your evening, coming on to the show, and uh, giving us your heartfelt, heartfelt feelings about the loss of your sons and the state of justice in America today. And we appreciate it. We also want to say thank you to all of our callers, all of your comments, everyone in the chat room, uh, all of your comments and questions there. We do appreciate the uh, interactivity that you guys express there. Also, we want to say thank you to our production team. We have K&D Productions, Captain Kyle and Dustin Jackson, helping out ill-skilled girl who's back off high eight, back with us in the studio. Uh, we appreciate you guys. Also, we want to say thank you to our production support team. They bring us accurate and up-to-date information so that we can pass that over to you. And also, to the truth, we know that we, that you are out there. And as always, we do appreciate your voice. Okay, and thanks for that, Cliff. Ladies and gentlemen, we just gave it a special invitation to contact the Just Cause. If you are a victim of police brutality, you have lost someone that has passed away, we start a campaign at a Just Cause to come together and unite as one as we fight injustice. If you have suffered what you have heard tonight, and perhaps your voice is silent, AJC Radio on a Just Cause will lift your voice. Please call us at 855-529-4252. That's 855-529-4252. As we search for justice, call right away. And again, you can go to a-justcause.com and ajcradio.com. To all of America, we say good night. God bless you. For Complex News, I'm Jinx with a breaking news report. The New York Police Department cop who killed Staten Island resident Eric Garner will not be indicted at grand jury rule today. The cop, Daniel Pantaleo, was reported on July 17th arresting Garner for selling illegal cigarettes on the street. Garner, father of six, who was 43 at the time of his death, was put into an illegal chokehold and held on the ground by multiple NYPD officers. Garner went into cardiac arrest and died at the site of the confrontation. His death was ruled a homicide by the medical examiner's office. Garner's death became the subject of national attention after videos published by the New York Daily News showing the entire incident happening. According to multiple news outlets, potential charges against Pantaleo included criminally negligent homicide, manslaughter, or reckless endangerment. This is not the first time Pantaleo has found himself in trouble in trials. The reported that the cop who was pulled off the street in the wake of Garner's death Garner had been the subject of two police lawsuits prior to this. Like so many other cities around the nation, New York recently found itself a hotspot of protest activity after a grand jury ruled in Missouri not to indict Darren Wilson and Wilson who killed unarmed 18-year-old Michael Brown, Michael Brown in a confrontation. This grand jury ruling will no doubt lead to a new round of protests protest. NYPD Commissioner Bill Braden told reporters he was prepared for, explaining, We have had quite a bit of time to prepare for the events that will unfold here over the next several days. This is a department that is very well experienced in dealing with demonstrations of all sizes. We here at Complex will continue to cover this story as it develops. There are major developments tonight in the case of a neighborhood watch captain in Florida who shot and killed an unarmed 17-year-old. The U.S. Justice Department has now opened a civil rights investigation, and the local prosecutor has convened a grand jury to consider criminal charges. Justice correspondent Bob Orr has the latest. 
In the three weeks since Trayvon Martin was killed inside this gated Florida community, Neighborhood Watch volunteer George Zimmerman has maintained he shot Martin in self-defense. But attorney Benjamin Crump, who represents Martin's family, says the unarmed teenager was targeted because of his race. Arrest George Zimmerman for the killing of Trayvon Martin in cold blood today. Crump said on the night of the shooting, Martin was heading home from the store and on the phone with his girlfriend. In a telephone interview, the young woman told Crump she listened as Martin was suddenly confronted by a stranger. The girlfriend said she urged Martin to run away, and he responded he would walk fast. At around the same time, Zimmerman also made a call to the Sanford, Florida police to report a suspicious person in his neighborhood. What happened next is the critical question. A law enforcement source says Zimmerman told police he began retreating to his car and only fired his weapon after Martin jumped him from behind. Zimmerman has a license to carry a gun. And Florida law allows people to use lethal force in self-defense. But Crump insists Zimmerman was the aggressor. And records show Zimmerman has been a frequent caller to police with 46 calls in the last year, often reporting African-Americans. Now Tom Perez, who heads the Justice Department Civil Rights Division, says the government will determine if a hate crime may have occurred. Good morning, Chairman Durbin and honored members of the subcommittee. My name is Lucia Holman McBath, and I thank you for the opportunity to speak before this great institution today. I was raised in a family steeped in justice and confident in the triumphant goodness of humanity. My mother was a registered nurse, and my father, who served in the U.S. Army Dental Corps, was over two years president of the NAACP for this state of Illinois. President Lyndon Baines Johnson in the signing of the Civil Rights Act of 1964. If he could see me here today, lying in front of the United States Senate, beaming with pride and amazed at how far his daughter had come, had come and came to understand what brought me here. I appear before you because my son Jordan was shot and killed last November while sitting in the back seat of her friend's car listening to loud music. Who killed him opened fire on four unarmed teenagers. They tried to move out of harm's way. That man was empowered by the round, round statue. I tell you, there was no, no round. No threat. No one trying to invade his home. or his family. There was a vociferous argument about abusing, during which the accused, Michael Dunn, did not feel that he was treated with respect. You're not going to talk to me like that, he shouted as he sprayed the car that Jordan sat in with bullets, killing him instantly. 
when Jordan's friends tried to back the car away. Mr. Dunn aimed his handgun and fired off several more rounds. Nine total pierced the car. There are any number of ways that this interaction might have gone. But there was only one way it could have ended once a gun entered the equation. Although we are celebrating in some manner that the police officers are going to be charged, that's just one step to getting justice because we know full well that charge does not mean not being convicted. And so a lot of people have to just take a step back and realize that although they might be charged, they have not been convicted of anything. Um, and in our case with Trayvon Martin, the person was charged. Yes, they were charged, and we had a full trial. But he, at the end of the day, he was not convicted. So he's walking around just like anybody else, and then he has done nothing. But we all know that God sits high and looks low, and though you might be, you might get away with man's law, God sees all.